0: Hello and welcome into another edition of the WTOC Sports Podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm WTOC Sports Director Lindsey Goff. we got a packed show for you guys today. A lot of interviews that I've been doing and just kind of stockpiling and they're all going to be in this podcast as we kind of wrap up college football season um, really across the country now that Alabama has been crowned the national champion. Uh, stop me if you've heard that before. So that's where we'll start. I talked to Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated, and we recapped Georgia's season, Clemson's season, and some of the moves that South Carolina is making uh, as Shane Beamer has been hired and he continues to put his staff together in Columbia. So have a listen to that interview. Start with Georgia. Um, So Peach Bowl win, but it's definitely not the college football playoffs. They did not win the SEC championship. So how do you grade their season and how the Bulldogs were able to finish things off?
1: You know, I thought it was a disappointment. Um, they aspire to better. Uh, I mean, 8-2 and two is, is good by most standards, and a Peach Bowl win is nice, but you don't win the SEC East. You get blown out twice, really. Um, and just, you know, maybe the situation with JT Daniels was such that th- their hands were tied and they couldn't get their best quarterback on the field until more than halfway through the season. And in that case... You know, maybe that's, that, that was as good as it's going to get. But still, you know, the one thing about Kirby, he's a great recruiter, great defensive uh, coach. Offenses can be inconsistent. And then it just seems like one game a year at least, they just kind of lose their minds. They have no poise and things kind of fall apart. And it was the second you could say that about the second half against Alabama. you could say that about most of the game against Florida, really, that uh, when things go bad, they, they only get worse.
0: You mentioned JT Daniels and I guess like looking ahead, what do you think about the dogs in the future? Cause it seems that they've kind of found their quarterback and he does have some young weapons around him, like Pickens and other guys. So do you think moving forward, uh, better days are ahead, I guess, for the George program?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that the fans should be really excited, you know, I mean, that's they're recruiting as well as anybody in the country. And yeah, you get next year with Daniels and Pickens and all those running backs and, you know, plug in more fresh talent. And I think they're, you know, I would make them the favorite for the SEC East for next year. Uh, you know, but the thing is eventually, like the, the, the expectation, the hope is we win the SEC, we play for a national championship, we win a national championship. So there's still some rungs to go up the ladder. But uh, I think 2021 uh, looks really promising on paper for Georgia.
0: Skip it over to Clemson. Uh, Obviously, a loss to Ohio State, a pretty embarrassing loss, frankly, uh, in the college football playoffs. Um, How do you reflect back on their season?
1: Yeah, I mean, that was a shocking loss. I mean, the way that came to be, just to be absolutely run out. Um, And apparently, like, Clemson's great everywhere but New Orleans. Superdome is not their place. They lost, obviously, to LSU there pretty handily, and then just getting blown out in a game that I thought they were going to win. Um, you know, it's funny. They get the seven, nothing lead. Uh, and then seven, seven and Trevor Lawrence misses a throw that looked like it could be a, a, a breaker, you know, I mean, it could be 14, seven, then they score and it could have been 21 to seven. And you wonder if things might've played out a little differently after that, but that's not what happened. Then you had the James Skalski targeting call. Um, which was a good call was the correct call and credit to Justin Fields for coming back from that hit because that was brutal. Uh, But it just seemed like everything snowballed on Clemson after that. And that was, that was shocking to see, Um, you know, and I think you look at their season and the level they've attained is, you know, we go to the playoff and we win national titles and they, they didn't complete the mission and now you lose the best quarterback you've ever had. in Trevor Lawrence, that's no, no disrespect to Deshaun Watson, but I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be even better. Uh, and you might feel like you missed an opportunity only winning one national title with him, but everybody else would take one national title anytime.
0: Yeah, speaking as a Kentucky graduate, I would take that. But uh, (laughs) uh, South Carolina made some coaching changes. They've hired Shane Beamer. Uh, What do you think about the future for the Gamecocks program?
1: Uh, Very much wait and see. You know, Shane Beamer may be great, but we don't know. He's never coached a game. He's, you know, he's got nice bloodlines. He's worked in some good places with some good people. Uh, he's a super personable guy. You know, he, uh, he will win the backslap, uh, you know, in the press conference and all that stuff. But, we'll, you know, we have no idea how good he's going to be as a head coach. And we don't, we don't have the full extent of the staff he's going to put together and what that's going to look like. Um, you know, this was a very expensive move made after, I thought, a very bad hire of Will Muschamp and then an even worse contract extension of Will Muschamp. And so South Carolina's put itself in an expensive hole here. And frankly, they're, they're you're in a conference where it's just hard if you're South Carolina. Now there's players in that area. And there's, you know, they they have talent, but Georgia, Florida, you know, they're not going away. And so, you know, getting getting past being the third best team in the SEC East is hard to do. I don't know when we'll see it.
0: Any thoughts on, uh, Kevin Harris really quick. He's from our area. Um, he was one of the few bright spots, I think for South Carolina this season.
1: Yeah, no, uh, did a great job. Um, you know, that's for South Carolina, you know, you're, you're kind of looking around for the, for the bright spots and, and where they might be and who they might be. And, uh, he was one of them for sure. I mean, played extremely well. I'm just, I'm calling up his game log here. I mean, yeah, 243 against, uh, Mississippi 210 against Kentucky he had some phenomenal games there. Um, he's a, you know, he's the kind of player that you you hope you can build around and and kind of make an offense around him uh, keep you in games as, as opposed to having to throw it 50 times a game and, and maybe playing from behind. So great season for him.
0: All right. Well, I'll let you get back to your call. And then uh, thank you for your time today.
1: Hey, my pleasure, Lindsay. Thank you.
0: I've known uh, Pat since my reporting days in Louisville and, uh, of course, want to thank him for being gracious with his time and joining us here on the podcast. Uh, It's always interesting to get a national perspective on some of our local teams, I think. Uh, continuing on, Savannah State, uh, their track team actually returned to action over the weekend, and that was the first sporting event that they had even participated in since the pandemic began. So it's been almost a year. But the football team has not played since November of 2019, and they had a great year, uh, that 2019 season, a really record-setting season. But they haven't been able to play since, but that is going to change this spring.
2: I'm in Florida. I'm at a Wawa in a parking lot right by a high school I was just at, so... <laughs> all fun fun and
0: games here so is tis the life that we're living right now i guess that's right that's right uh, well i don't want to take too much of your time um i wanted to talk to you about the uh, gulf coast classic that you guys have scheduled and how beneficial that's going to be for the team
2: yeah you know it's huge for us it helps uh for us with well, you know having a lot of budget limitations it allows us to be able to helps us with our recruiting and also a great chance for our fans to come watch us play. Um, it's a bowl game type atmosphere. They do a great job. The city of mobile puts it on. So it's a reward for our players. What's been a tough year, you know, not having any games in the fall. And, uh, and then on top of that, we're playing a really, really good team in West Alabama, who's won the Gulf South, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, they were the champions of the league. They've been in the playoffs and the Gulf South, the preeminent SEC in division two of conferences. And so, for us to go against them and and kind of get a gauge where we're at. Um, You know, with us not having our conference, not having football this spring sponsored per se, no championship per se, we'd made a decision to play as many non-conference games that we could against good teams and use that as kind of a a benchmark where we're at, where we want to get to.
0: Will you all still have regular spring football practice like you would normally have?
2: Well, yes and no. Um, We're basically so – The schedule will be this. They're coming back next Friday. We'll start lifting, conditioning. Um, They've been doing that at home. You know, we finished right at the very last day of the semester we finished up. So they've been pretty much at it. This is July for us now in our brain, which is a little weird to say that. But we'll lift for a couple weeks, and then we'll have signing day. And the following week, the 8th of February, will be our first day. We'll have training camp for basically the month of February. Um, we'll, we'll play West Florida on the 6th of March, and then we'll play these guys on the 13th and, uh, and then we'll have a home game on the 27th. So, um, we've got that tentatively going, you know, things can always change. The golf poles move a lot on this, but, uh, our guys have done a tremendous job, um, with, with COVID as far as testing and just been, we've had just, they've done an awesome job much. I mean, I think our school as a whole, I think anticipating versus what it's been it's, it's been a blessing it's been it's i've been very thankful and appreciative of what the guys have done and so february will be a full month of training and we'll go play a game so we'll go from there so uh, we will go right from recruiting to having games which will be fun and weird at the same time
0: i was gonna ask you guys haven't played like an actual game since november 2019 right
2: yeah, I, you know we had an orange and blue game against ourselves on the 19th of November. That's and that was full live tackle everything, um, but that's a, you know truly against another opponent. That's been November of 2019. So it's a it's a long lull, and to be blunt with you, the, our, you know our guys have missed the competition, and you know it was hard to sit there and watch everybody else play. And I know they're excited to get back on the field, and you know guys sending you know messages, videos, ready to go, and excited. So. Hopefully we'll have great weather and, um, you know, for the far fans to go to Mobile, is a great place. Lad People's is a giant stadium that's really a, a great place to play a game. I've been there many times.
0: Has it been tough keeping them motivated and focused? And, you know, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. We just don't know where exactly it is, but kind of keeping them focused on like eyes on the prize kind of thing
2: it's been very much like a Bill Murray movie, like Groundhog Day, you know, get up practice. And normally at the end of that, there's a reward for a game and it's like making a meal and never getting to eat it. So um, I think, you know, to their credit, they did a good job, but truth being told, we've got to play somebody, you know, there needs to be, we don't need to go a full almost two years in essence without playing anybody. And uh, I know they're excited and, you know, I gave them the option and they all wanted to play. So, I mean, You know, we could have just practiced and they wanted to play competitive games. So that says a lot about them. But the one thing we try to do, Lindsay, too, was finish our season where we would normally finish spring practice. So we weren't going into late April, May and and messing up the cycle of getting ready for next fall when there is playoffs. There is a lot more at stake. And uh, so we've condensed the season. And from an injury standpoint, that allow us time to heal, train and get ready for the fall of 2021.
0: That's what I was gonna ask. Is there still hope that there's gonna be a normal fall 2021 season?
2: I, I think what what happened. I think administrators and and everybody around the country saw that college football. The guys were able to play games, and I think really Division One was the drive, you know, run on how to do this. And there's some things and kinks to work out, but um, you know, we were fortunate. We got a lot of time to talk to and visit with coaches at you know in the Big Ten and in, in the SEC um, and just how they did it. And and I think. Yeah, the plan for everybody across college football is 2021, start back in August and be a normal, um, you know, the thought is the vaccine will be fully in society by that point and that the in, in August we'll be back to normal as far as the timelines and stuff. So excited to get somewhat normal this spring and hopefully continue to just ramp up from there.
0: With everything, like there's been COVID, but also with everything that happened this summer as far as like social justice and stuff and you are a coach at an HBCU. How hard has this been on your players just taking in everything that's happened this year?
2: Well, it's been a rough year. It's been a crazy year. Um, one thing we've tried to do there, Lindsay, since day one is be unified and everything we do where we want to be a positive light in a negative world. Sometimes, you know, there's not a lot of positive stuff out there. So that's why we've jumped into community service and been involved in so much in the city, just trying to bring some positive things. Cause you can get bogged down in all the things going wrong in society. And, you know, as a staff and as a program, we, as our, and talking to our leaders, we've tried to just, hey, let's be unified. We know we're here for each other. Let's be positive, our community and, and try to do make good things and, and find the good and stuff rather than the bad. And that's just kind of been philosophical what we've done since day one. And it's been tested this fall, but our theme's been find a way. And, you know, you got to find a way. That's how life is.
0: You have a guy heading to the tropical bowl. How does that assist with recruiting? You know,
2: we've been fortunate. I've been here uh, really a year and a half as a head coach now. And in that time, we've had two guys go to the NFL, one to the Browns and and the other one, uh, John Wilson, signed with the Seahawks and eventually got cut. And so what's happened now is we've been able to show guys, hey, if you come here, there's opportunities to play in the National Football League. Um, We're in a beautiful city. The scouts want to come here and I'm um, happy for Mike that he'll get opportunity to play in a bowl game and and you know obviously everybody wants the chance if they're good enough to play in the NFL and you know in the 2 years I've been here the year and a half I've had all 32 teams come in at least once general managers and look at our guys evaluate and uh, so it's been good and I wish Mike the best I hate to lose him he's a senior graduated already he was already done with his second degree he's got a job offer out there and so you know, this is a different world we're in and, you know, you know, opportunity for him to see if he can make it in the NFL. If he doesn't, you know, get into the real world and, and go make a bunch of money and uh, hopefully build us a new weight room or something, we'll put it in his name.
3: So,
0: How is recruiting going? Just because you guys haven't played games and things like that, has that impacted you all at all?
2: Well, it's actually given us a chance to spend more time on it. We were able to go to games in the fall where normally we might be on a road game in a hotel somewhere, so I was able to see a lot of folks play. Evaluate guys. I'm actually in uh, Central Florida today, um, and we're on a Walmart budget with a Saks Fifth Avenue wish list. There's a lot more guys, and we've got scholarships right now. And and with our seniors coming back, normally we'd sign 25 or 30 guys. You're looking at signing six to ten guys, and um, you know you have a pool of money, and you're trying to find as many guys that you can sign. But there's a lot of guys out there that we could, we could sign 40 to 50 guys if we had the scholarships available. So. There's a lot of good players that it didn't get recruited because of Corona and schools weren't able to go out and evaluate guys. Whereas in Division two, we've been able to go out and see guys, which has been a blessing. But it's going well. It's going well. Guys want to play and are interested and we got a great city. So that's the easy sell. And uh, so it's a lot of fun.
0: Anything else you want to add or want to touch on?
2: Well, just a happy new year to everybody. Let's stay positive and uh, excited to see you guys. And, you know, I want to encourage our fans to buy tickets to our game in Mobile. And the city puts out a great event. Um, there are tickets available. They're limited. But um, we'll be able to bring, I think, 3,500 fans. So I encourage our fans to get online and buy the tickets and support us. And, you know, those of you who had not seen football in a long time, Mobile is a is a great city and it's a, a great bowl site. And uh, be a lot of fun and just – Uh, Let's make 2021 the best year yet.
0: And, of course, we want to thank Coach Quinn for joining the WTSC Sports Podcast as well. I'm sure that won't be his last appearance. Now, uh, up the road in Statesboro, Georgia Southern football going through quite a few changes. We'll start with the changes from this weekend. They uh, officially announced their three new coaching hires. Nick Jones will serve as tight ends coach. Uh, he was a former Georgia player. Derek Sherman will be wide receivers coach. He was a former Georgia Southern grad assistant. And Jeep Wade uh, will be the offensive line coach. So they have made those three additions to the staff. Jones comes to Statesboro um, both as the tight ends coach and the special teams coordinator, I should add. Uh, he actually spent the 2020 season in the NFL as an offensive assistant working with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, And he was also a graduate assistant at Georgia after he graduated from there. So, um, yeah, Derek Sherman was at Georgia Southern. Back in 2014, um, he spent the last three years at Samford as their wide receivers coach. And um, Jeep Wade has been coaching for – I'm looking at his bio because I don't have all of this memorized. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, Veteran offensive line coach. He has nearly two decades of collegiate experience. Um, He was last on UT Martin's staff in 2018. The Skyhawks did average over 400 yards of offense per game uh, during that season. So some exciting news there for Georgia Southern football fans, but some interesting news, I think. Uh, Throughout this offseason, they've got a number of players in the transfer portal and, you know, I don't want to read too far into it that there's problems or something. There's several several wide receivers, and, you know, they are bringing in a new wide receivers coach, so that could be it, and then also these players were granted an extra year of eligibility, and they don't have to sit out uh, because of COVID, so there's a number of reasons why these guys could be transferring, but Last check in the portal, wide receiver Darian Anderson, inside linebacker Raynard Ellis, running back Matt LaRoche, wide receiver Malik Murray, wide receiver Jalazizi, quarterback David Spaulding is heading to South Carolina. He has committed. And uh, quarterback Shy Wirtz along with uh, defensive back Kendrick Duncan Jr., both heading to Louisville. So those two taking on my old home state. Um, you heard from Shy Wirtz in the last podcast, so I was able to talk to Kendrick Duncan Jr. as well about his transition into Power 5. Here it is. So, um, I guess I'll start by asking you were out what the last two, three games of the season was that injury? How are you, how are you doing?
3: Oh, well, I'm doing great. You know, uh, I'm doing better than, you know, I ever have really, um, I sat out the last couple of games because, you know, um, you know, as, you know, as everybody know, I had surgery, uh, before the season had started and, um, you know, no, you know, discomfort or anything, but I had, you know, a slight, slight little, um, you know, tightness and, uh, and so the doctor uh, suggested that, you know, I just take it easy on myself, you know, instead of like, you know, rushing things too much, you know, and, uh, you know, focus on my future. And so that's what I decided to do. Okay.
0: Um, so when did you make your decision, I guess, to transfer? At what point did you decide that it's time for the next chapter?
3: Uh, well, I spoke to, you know, my, my family about it. And uh, originally the decision was to come back. And then I, you know, spoke, spoke with God, you know, I thought about it some more, and um, uh, I just made a decision and I, stood, and I stood on it and that's what I wanted to do this year make the decision to stand on it. So, you know, I made that decision and said, you know what, I'm a, I thought of the opportunities that I will have. And I thought about the opportunities for not only me, but my family as well. And, um, and so that's when I just made the decision to go ahead and do it.
0: You and shy both heading to
3: Louisville. Um, did you
0: guys talk to each other about this, or did it just kind of, like, work out that you're going to the same
3: place? It worked out that we were going to the same place. Um, we never – I know, uh, as before, you know, I, I got in a, a portal before him, so I started talking to Louisville right away. And then when he went in the portal, um, you know, the coaches, you know, they did inform me that, you know, there was recruiting shy as well. And so um, and he also uh, – uh, they told him the same thing about me. And so, you know, we got in contact with each other like, wow, that's crazy. But we never, you know, said like, hey, come to Louisville with each other. It was almost it was always like, you know, do what's best for you, brother. And and that's how he felt about me, too. So that's what we did.
0: What is it about Louisville, I guess? Um, Obviously, they have players like Jair Alexander um, making plays in the league. What what is it about Louisville that you think can help get you to the next level?
3: You know, um, just having that, you know, those resources and, uh, you know, having, you know, being able to compete every week and week out with that level and, um, you know, that the school itself is known for players like you just named Jaya Alexander. So, you know, uh, going into, you know, to Louisville, you know, you got to, you know, work, work everywhere you go, but, you know what I'm saying, but you got to work it even a little harder because, you know, you have faces that have been there that actually already made names for the school itself.
0: John mentioned to me that COVID played a really big part in his decision and just like with so much uncertainty, he felt like he needed to take another leap, but he wasn't quite ready to take the NFL leap just yet. Does it kind of feel that way for you at all, like with everything that's happened this past year?
3: Oh, you know, well, you know, that was a, a conversation that I had sometimes with uh, some people in my life, but, uh, you know, I don't want to rush anything, you know, what God has planned is already planned for us, so you know, uh, COVID is some, COVID actually helped me with my injury. You know, at first I didn't think I was going to even be playing as many games as I played this year. And so, you know, with COVID, um, even though it sucks, you know, and uh, you know, I, I hope everything get cleared away soon. COVID did help me, you know, be able to rehab a little bit longer and then get out there with those games I was with my brothers.
0: Going into this season, and there was so much uncertainty with COVID because it was still pretty new at the time. I mean, obviously, you guys are hoping to make a living playing football one day. I mean, were you like scared or nervous heading into it? Because you guys put your body on the line anyway, but like this seems almost extra because some people have come out with like heart conditions and different things. Like, it could really impact your future.
3: Right. And, you know, it was a concern for everybody, but we know like if we did the right thing as a team, you know, uh, the chances of everybody of anybody getting really you know sick or affected you know uh, was slim. And so, uh, as you can see, you know, we was able to play a lot of games, more than I think any team in the country. And, um, and that just comes from us doing right. You know, our coaches, you know, uh, making sure, you know, we, you know, we did the right thing. And then the boys know what they wanted to do. We wanted to play football, so, and they made sure they made that happen too.
0: So, are you planning to get to Louisville, like,
3: this coming semester? Oh, yes. Um, I got a report to Louisville by Monday, and uh, so I will be heading uh, down to Louisville real soon. That's
0: a quick decision.
3: Yes, you know uh, that's the thing. You know, um, I graduated in December, and so uh, when I knew I hit the portal, I knew I had the chance to be able to go to a school in the spring, and so that's something I had to, you know, get my mind right and ready for. But I'm ready for it. You know, I'm ready for the challenge of something new.
0: What do you, what do you hope that Eagles fans remember you for?
3: Um. As a, you know, kid, uh, you know, always did right, you know, and uh, always kept a smile on his face no matter what, uh, you know, uh, throughout the ups and downs, you know, I always kept a smile on my face and, um, and you know, well, people don't see, but I always made sure, you know, I could help somebody, you know. Uh, I wanted to make sure, you know, I, you can't win a football game with just, you know, one person. So I always wanted to make sure I uh, lead in the right way and um, help my brothers in any way I could so everybody could be successful and everybody could be great. What do you take away from your time in Statesboro? You know, um, it just, Statesboro itself is just, you know, lovely. You know, everybody down there is just the bun and, you know, that and connection that everybody has, you know. And being in Statesboro is, is to be honest, like football on, on Saturdays in Statesboro is, is just what everybody loves. So, you know, having that environment and that feeling down there, you know, that's something I can always take away with me.
0: Did you have power five offers coming out of high school?
3: Um, no, I didn't have no power five offers coming out of high school, you know, and, uh, you know, that's something, you know, an extra motivation I had when I went to Southern, you know, and so when we did play those power five schools when I was at Southern, you know, it, I played with an extra chip on my shoulder, like, you know, let's see what I could do against some power five schools.
0: I know Coach Satterfield and Coach Lunsford know each other pretty well. Um did that help, I guess, facilitate that relationship at all, or they just kind of reached out to you on their own?
3: Um, you know, um, they kind of reached out to me on their own, but um, some coaches on the staff do have, you know, a lot of connection with and coaches on the Georgia Southern staff. And, um, and that's another thing that I took into play in, in making my decision because, you know, everybody at Georgia Southern on the staff was, has been nothing but amazing to me. You know, Bless me. Coach Longford gave me the opportunity out of high school. Coach Foster recruited me. Coach Rao, you know. So all those coaches uh, just had a perfect connection with me. And um, so them knowing those coaches at Louisville, you know, probably, probably did get them the chance to be able to talk about me, you know what I'm saying. And that's another thing.
0: I haven't had a chance to look. When Satterfield was still an app, did you, did you show out in that game?
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh well, we showed out, you know, uh, we, uh, as a team, we uh, balled out, we, we, we kind of did our thing down there, passing, and, um, but I did have a, you know, my, uh, a pretty good game, decent game for myself, you know, um, it wasn't a great game, because, you know, every game, you can work on something, but I did, you know, do a little, you know, do a little something, something, and I got my first interception in that game.
0: So he might have remembered that. <laughs> 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 um, you and Shy are going to be roommates?
3: We were roommates, you know, and when he made a decision, he texted me and said, "Hey, roommate," and that's how I found out he committed. And uh, and that was just a great feeling, you know. Uh, the it change itself was something, uh, you know, I had to get a, get ready for it. But having somebody down there that's like a brother to me, you know, uh, just even better, you know, because Shaw's a leader. He want to go get it. He got dreams and goals he wanted to chase. And me and him, you know, want the same dreams and goals. So we're gonna be able to push each other. Are they recruiting
0: you at the same position?
3: Oh yes, uh, as uh, safety. Okay, just checking.
0: Um, anything else you want to say or want to add about Georgia Southern?
3: Um, you know, uh, even though my time with Georgia Southern has come to an end, uh, my heart is will, will forever be with Georgia Southern. You know, GTA, G-A-T-A, you know, to, to you know, it's forever. And um, I will always remember the memories. And um, I don't want nobody to, you know, feel like, you know, I let them down or anyway or, you know, just leaving the team because they, they're still in my heart. You know, it's just a decision that, you know, I made and um you know sometimes in life you take new routes you get new blessings. And so that's what I'm gonna take this um as and and uh you know, I just wanna say Georgia Southern, Georgia Southern fans, you know, I love you forever.
0: Wishing them both the best of luck in the 502, and uh, thanks to Kendrick for joining the podcast. Now, more from Georgia Southern. I recently did a WTOC Investigates story on the uh, cost to basically have athletics at Georgia Southern this season, how much it's costing them to uh, COVID test when they're not making the revenue that they had projected because they can't sell out stadiums and arenas right now. Um, you can find that full website on W <laughs> you can find that full story on Wtoc.com under the WTOC investigates tab but I was able to uh, have a sit down sit down zoom interview with new athletic director Jared Benko to kind of get some more insight on what's been going on behind the scenes this season and how they've been able to make it happen and testing and that sort of thing so um, it's a lot of budget talk it's not um, x's and O's or anything like that but I found it interesting because they're going to surpass the million dollar market on spending here pretty soon um on covid testing so here's athletic director jared benko about what's kind of been going on behind the scenes at georgia southern talk to me i guess a little bit about how covid testing within the athletic department is going for you guys especially since you were able to get through football season and get the full 13 games in
4: yeah i mean it's it's obviously ratcheted up um just with more sports coming back you know lindsey um you know, right now, uh, as the Sunbelt continues to try to finalize some spring schedules, for the most part, what we're doing is three testings a week for, for sports in season. Uh, one of those has to be a molecular PCR test and two antigen tests. And then we also have, you know, for example, every student athlete that's coming back or returned to play, they have to get a PCR test. And so right now, this week and next week is really heavy on testing for people kind of getting back in the bubble, uh, per, per se. And then we have weekly surveillance testing. So Answer your question. I mean, you know, football was, was obviously, as you know, it was a, a heavy lift in a lot of ways, because we didn't know as much about the, um, obviously, the virus and whatnot. And now that we know more, it's more, you know, prevention and, and surveillance. And really, Lindsay, the other thing, too, we've talked about as a staff in the department is kind of going back, as we've done all semester, really hitting it hard on, on rearing the triple option. And for us, that's washing your hands, wearing a mask, and socially distancing. And so, um, I know myself and our staff take it very seriously and, and try to practice and demonstrate what we're, we're talking about to our to our staff and student-athletes as well.
0: When you say they're testing three times a week, is that like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or does it, it just depends? It
4: depends on the competition days, because you have to have testing within 72 hours of the game, so it just depends on each day, and that's actually why, as a great example, like baseball and softball, the schedule still, as an example, is not finalized yet, and so part of when you start the competition mode determines when you start doing your testing.
0: Gotcha. So I was looking at the contract with um, Macon Occupational, and yep. it was saying one or two times a week they were coming to do testing. So has that contract, like, been modified, I guess, since that was signed?
4: Well, that's a, that's a PCR test, is what you're talking about. So, see, the, the, the antigen test is what is, is, we well, actually our, our athletic trainers and our medical staff here on campus are certified to administer that.
0: Gotcha. Um, so with, I guess with all this testing and now that your staff is also administering some of these tests Mm -hmm. in the budget, did you guys have to increase, um, like the medical and athletic training budget to accommodate all this stuff?
4: Well, it's, it's really on some of it, Lindsay's unallocated it's or or unbudgeted items because going into the year, we had some cares dollars North of two hundred and eighty or so in cares dollars. And then of course, if you think back when budgets are developed back in the springtime, trying to sit here and forecast out the next eight to 12 months was really difficult not knowing the testing apparatus and whatnot and so we budgeted you know conservatively but yeah obviously that number has been exceeded because of the amount of testing we're doing and the pcr test as you know has a higher cost point than the BioNext now which is the antigen test and so yeah so the cares dollars we, we use those are the first dollars out the door and those were spent pretty quickly
0: how are you guys able to accommodate all of this? I guess I know it's going to be quite a strain on the budget because football tickets are the majority of the revenue, and obviously you guys were diminished capacity in every sport all around. So ticket sales aren't where they had been projected to be. So how are you guys able to accommodate for all of this? I guess it's it's necessary, but also I'm sure it's a strain.
4: Yeah, Lindsay, that's a great question because every every department in the country is is, is handling this. And if, in fact I know with your past experience of where you've been at, and I know for me being at four different SEC schools, when you have people in the SEC that are 50, 60, 70 million dollars down, uh, we're nowhere near that obviously. But I think to, to answer your question, you have to really two things. One, you've got to cut your expenses as much as you can. So we've we've literally been on an essential spin since I got here back in April one. Uh, essential spend only and really what essential is, is 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 things that touch a student athlete that are necessary and testing is one of those right for safety and wellness and then two you have to generate more revenue and so we've been actually going out and fundraising and stuff and I'll tell you the great thing about Eagle Nation is although some people obviously roll their tickets forward for next year and and understand that at the end of the day also too a lot of people left their donations with the foundation and that just I think speaks to the volume of, of Not only patronage, but affinity for for athletics and the program here at Georgia Southern.
0: You say essential spending, and I know you guys didn't have to go to a bowl game, but you all made the decision to play that 13th game. How do you weigh out the exposure that you're getting on a national stage versus the cost and having to test that extra week with a football team? How do you weigh that out um, when making that decision?
4: Yeah, well, the Sunbelt, actually, it paid for the testing and so they, they paid for that as part of the reimbursement. But here's a, here's a great example, Lindsay, what we talk about a lot is you think about, and unfortunately we had some Thursday night games get canceled this year for whatnot, but for us playing on the 23rd on ESPN, advertising-wise that's a seven-figure type asset. And that's great branding for the university, especially after we had a big win like we did over Louisiana Tech. You know, from an expense standpoint, the conference makes us whole, right? You're going to have ancillary expenses, but for us, we trimmed it down in fact. Uh, most places, as you know, when you go to a bowl game, you're doing five or six days lead-in. There's pageantry. There's all types. But This was literally like a normal road trip. In fact, any road trip this year it mimicked it. The only difference this year was we left about an hour or two early to do a walk through the Superdome because it is such a cool venue, and you want to kind of get that out of the way from the student-athletes seeing how, how, how unique that setting was. But everything else was a normal road trip. Came back, you know, right after the game. And so, in many ways, we try to mitigate our expenses the best we could.
0: Um, I guess how much are you able to see how much revenue that generates this quickly, or is that something that you all would have to see like later on? Yeah. Yeah.
4: Well, here's the thing. So if you think about we're cost neutral, right? It means all of our costs, travel costs are covered by the conference. And so we get to keep ticket sales that we sold. So if you think about it, if any year, this is the best year to break even or make a little extra money. We don't, we don't know because, you know, it takes a lot to get all the, the expenses in. But this year, because the expenses were kept at a bare minimum and the conference is covering the travel costs and the testing, your out-of-pocket expenses are negligible, if, if any. So, I mean, to me, that's, that's why in this environment, because of the Sunbelt's approach, it wasn't like you're coming out of pocket two, three hundred, four hundred thousand, 400000 whatever the number is that other schools are, and I can't speak to those in other leagues. But for us, it was a no-brainer because the conference is picking up the tab, testing and travel. We have a chance to be an ESPN. And also, too, our fans, if you think about it, one of only two schools in the country, Lindsay, that played 12 games this year. For a chance for us to go to the bowl game, our student-athletes, in my opinion, earn the right to go to a bowl game as a reward for their good season. And you always want to obviously take advantage of those when you have them.
0: I don't want to... make assumptions, but I know you guys had been talking about the new arena project. And if I correct me if I'm wrong, there had been about 35 million allocated in the next state budget. But I assume that you guys were still going to have to put forth some money for that as well. So does the budget being affected by COVID and decreased ticket sales, does that impact the plans for that moving forward?
4: Well, a couple of things. One, the the first phase of the six, you know, six plus million dollars was for the design phase. That, That money's already been allocated to us. That process has started. The budget for FY22 has not been approved yet. The $36.7 million is is up for legislature approval. So that's not been approved yet. So then, of course, there's an FF&E on the back end. So total funding, if approved, would be $46 million from the state. Overall project scope is $56, which leaves a $10 million delta that can be covered through private fundraising um, and other unallocated reserves. And so if you think about it, you know, Lindsay, you're always going to be fundraising. The great thing about you know these this projects is transformative not only for our campus but for the community, and so we've been hitting it really hard and we've already you know we're, we're we've already got you know committed gifts verbal gifts on that project that are pure ph- uh, philanthropy, right? There's no there's no dollars at this point we've allocated from our budget, so it's really again this is a separate operation in essence you're raising money for a facility over there and so, you know does it does it impact? Of course because if you think about you know, Our goal every year is not only to be a balanced budget, but to add to reserves. Yeah, this is not the year you're going to add to reserves. You're trying to get to the year. But obviously, once we get to this year, then you have a chance to continue building towards the, the future there. So that's just kind of the, the thought there. So again, I hope that answers your question, but it's a separate fundraising effort because right now we're fundraising, going out in the road, talking to people about it.
0: When could that, when could we hear if that passes at the state level? Like, is there an expectation?
4: No, I'm not, expected? Yeah, I, I'm not the best. I don't have that information. Okay. i sure it's either online or some people I know on campus could help you with that, but I know that's part of the, you know, the legislature just got back in a session. So I don't right. have their schedule of votes and stuff, but that's obviously something that will be talked about.
0: You mentioned that you're kind of always fundraising and that is always, I think a part of athletics, but have you all had to uptick in that this year and kind of hit it even harder?
4: Well, listen, I, I would tell you, we're all on fundraising, right, because we are all represent the university. And so I would tell you, we've been very aggressive, you know, even though even though I started in COVID, so I know my timing, it's not it's not a great, but it's a blessing to be here. But our approach to fundraising is a lot different than it has been years past in that we, we are getting out heavily. And I'll, I'll tell you, Lindsay, I'm really proud of our staff because our staff, we're on track to triple our visits this year. Now, obviously, we're cognizant of, of social distancing and meeting with people if they want to meet, but we are very aggressive regardless because that's how you ultimately drive our vision and ultimately there's a correlation between visiting people and donations coming in. And so that was going to be the same, whether it was COVID or not, but yeah, I mean, of course that you have to, you know, it, it puts a little extra um, attention on fundraising when you know that it's, it's, it's a down year from a revenue standpoint.
0: I guess for you personally, when you envision one day be, being being taken over an athletic department, this probably isn't, what you had in your mind. So does this kind of give you confidence moving forward that if you can steer Georgia Southern through the year of COVID-19 and a global pandemic, that you could probably handle whatever gets thrown at you?
4: Well, a couple of things. One, I think it's more humility than confidence because I think humility wise, um, you know, this has humbled all of us. And and two, just as a person of faith, to me, my, my life is ultimately, you know, God positioned us here. I don't I've never at one point said, why, why did this happen to me or to us or whatever? It's ultimately about glorifying him. So I don't, I have really have not spent in fact, I would tell you over the break after the bowl game, it was probably the first time in what what was that nine months or so that I've actually had a chance to reflect. And I'm really proud of where we've, where we've gone. And so more than anything, I think is a byproduct of our student athletes buying into the plan that our coaches and staff developed. And we've got a great staff here. So does it is the end result of the byproduct uh, confidence? Sure, but I think one thing this has humbled all of us to make sure that obviously some things are out of our control. And Lindsay, the three things I talked about just to our staff and coaches and, and student athletes are the controllables. And I'm sure you can appreciate you knowing obviously your battle and what you went through is the three things you can control every day is attitude, effort, and how you treat people. So if we have a great attitude and we treat people well. Right, and then ultimately work really hard at what we do. Then, then, then ultimately, that's what we have to focus on. So, again, I think, um, you know, I think uh, probably the next couple months, the next year, maybe have a chance to reflect back on. But yeah, it's definitely not been what anybody would anticipate. But we're still very blessed at the same time.
0: How proud are you guys of the student athletes because they're really having to like take it upon themselves to be responsible and stay home, and that's obviously not the normal. Yeah. College experience trying to stay at home outside of, like, practice and class. Um, and, and they seem to have done a good job with it. How how proud yeah. does that make you guys?
4: Well, super proud. Because what it means, Lindsay, is we have the right student-athletes here. And, you know, it's interesting. I, I, before the break, I ran into one of our freshmen. You know, it was one of our freshman student-athletes. And I was talking to her and was asking her, I said, well, hey, how's your first semester been? You know, tell me about your, you know, good, bad, and different. I know it's been an unusual year. And she said, you know what? She said, you know, they always say Mr. Benko. like, that's my dad. Just call me Jared, right? But she said, hey, my graduation, I didn't have a graduation really for high school. It was untraditional, and I have an untraditional. But you know what? I love being here. Attitude's great. And so I I think the thing, Lindsay, really has stuck with me, and I hit on it a lot, probably too much, but it's really indicative of who our student athletes are, is perseverance. Because if you think about the average day of a student athlete and how scripted out it is, and then you add COVID on top of that, I, I'm really, we've, we've really made a big focus on mental health because to me that piece right now, I mean, the whole country and, you know, you see it across the country, people are struggling with mental health. So we've made it a focus here and our student athletes are no different. And so while they are remarkable and they do a lot of things, we also want to make sure they feel like they have the resources, especially our younger student athletes that are new to school, being away from home, first time in a college setting. And so they're just really proud of them. That's the word is perseverance and proud, two words that come to mind.
0: With mental health, are you guys like allocating more resources towards yeah. them or just making more of a push to tell them that, hey, this is available or how is that working? Both.
4: Both. So when I got here, mental health has been something I took great pride in as far as our staff in Mississippi State. We built it from scratch and we had three people when I left. And here's the thing, Lindsay, a lot of times people think sports psychologists is a lot of sports psychology. Actually it's mostly it's mostly clinical. And that runs a gamut. And so when I got here, um, our departments here on campus were great. We had actually an opportunity to to co-fund a position uh, for for sports psychology to go with Brandon Harris. And so now we actually asked Jenna, who came on our staff, she started this summer, or early fall. And so she's been a blessing, too, because now we have the support. And this is something I'm really proud of, Lindsay. We have the support that you see at the Power 5 level in, in mental health. now. Here's the reality. We probably could add, if, if, if money was no object, four or five more practitioners and use them. But no, so it's a combination of making sure we have the, the hard assets to make sure they have that outlet. And then, two, really trying to de de-stigmatize mental health. Because as we all know, you know, there's always stigmas associated. And so part of that is where is that office located, what services are offered. And you're trying to get it to where it's not so taboo to talk about.
0: Is there anything else you, you'd you want to add or want to say or point out about how the athletic department has kind of handled COVID and testing thus far?
4: You know, I, I would tell you that, you know, listen, we're never perfect. We're always looking at ways to get better. Um, I'm really proud of the fact that we got through 12 games a season and the leadership of Coach Lunsford. And really, if you think about Dr. Morero, I mean, he's been the North Star through all this, and so he deserves a lot of credit, and the cabinet does too because – I tell you, when you look back, and again, mention it over the break, Lindsay, looking back, um, it was pretty monumental task to, to not only get football on, but to have school and to have, and have ongoing curriculum throughout the fall. And so I'm really proud of where we are, but I'll also tell you, too, that every day we're trying to find ways to get better. And and that's something that I'm excited about uh, going forward, too. And so I just want to thank Eagle Nation and all the fans and donors and supporters because they came out this year. And, and obviously... Um, some people made the decision not to and fully respect that and look forward to having them back next year. We're just really proud of where we are, but we, our best days are ahead. and so we're and quite honestly, we're just getting started. so
0: I do want to be clear that um, making occupational, they are still coming out in in addition to the testing that you guys are administering through the. Yeah, so they, they staff. have
4: yeah, so making occupational, okay. again, they're they're administering the PCR tests on a weekly basis. Yeah. Okay. So Just it. wanted to be sure. Yeah, the, the PCR tests, again, for the sports during season, you know, they have the one PCR and two antigens. The trainers can administer the antigens. And so that's, that's where, that's where we're at on that.
0: Okay. Just wanted to make sure I was yeah, sure. totally clear. Sure. Well, thank you for your time today. I appreciate it.
4: No, thank you so much. Again, congratulations on your promotion. Excited to, to visit with you more in the future.
0: Yeah, hopefully we get to actually physically meet one day.
4: <laughs> well, you're not missing much, but I look forward to it. So.
0: All right. Well, have a good one. You too. Thank you. And uh, this one is just a favorite I did this week. Uh, I went to Hilton Head. I did a story on um, their lone female wrestler on their high school wrestling team. Uh, so here's a listen to that story. And if you want to watch it, it's at WTOC.com slash sports. Coach will come up and they'll be like, you can club her harder than that. She's, she's pretty tough pretty tough she is. On the mat Hilton head Zayo Estrada stands out both for her skill and her gender but make no mistake she is not the token female wrestler for the Seahawks and she never wants her teammates to take it easy on her. I had a kid walk up to me and he goes I was wrestling 120 he said how's your 113 pounder and I said she's good. And then he said, what do you mean she? And I was like, she's good. And then she went out there and beat the crap out of their kid. Estrada's dad is a club level coach and her older sister wrestled, so she's been training since she was five. But one issue she's run into this season, getting matches. Her coach says some wrestlers will forfeit because they don't want to wrestle a girl. It sucks too because like I wanted to get a match and sometimes like it's like my only match I could get there and they forfeit because I'm a girl and it it kind of hurts my feelings, too, because it's like, I'm not as bad as you think. <laughs> she isn't bad by any means. Estrada is currently ranked 25th in the nation for female wrestlers in her weight class and is undefeated this season. It's her first year at Hilton Head High, and she's made an impression on her coaches and teammates from the start.
4: Right when she walked in the door and the first guy she grabbed, which was, you know, James, who's a two-time
0: state, you know, state runner-up. He's the best guy, in the, you know, in the room. She goes in there and starts banging up on them, and everybody's like, oh, okay. In other places she's lived, girls wrestling isn't so unique, and Estrada may be the one to help change that in the Low Country.
4: These girls are uh, necessarily going to watch their brothers wrestle. She goes out there and beats them up. These, these little girls are plastered on the side of the mat.
0: By taking on these challenges, she says she can take on anything. You have to be really mentally tough. Like... You have to be pretty tough. It's really hard. Her partner, the lone senior on the team, James Levy, predicts a state championship in her future. So thanks to all of my interviewees uh, for being on the podcast this week. And uh, thank you guys for downloading and subscribing and giving us a listen. We were doing podcasts every week during football season. Now that we're kind of out of it, it'll be probably bi-weekly unless something big is going on. Um, So just look out for us every other Monday um, or if there's a big event, we'll be there to cover it and we'll have it for you on the podcast. So be sure to stay subscribed and we're going to keep bringing you guys content. And again, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.